Hello. And welcome to Makers.dev episode number 101. Chris, can you tell me what 101 in binary would be if converted to decimal? Uh, yes. Let me think. <laughs> Five, right? Five. Five is correct. Yay. Five is correct. And that, that puts you above most people that I went to college with who had an undergraduate in computer science. So good job. That's funny. Um, I, don't, I can't remember if I've told this story before, but in like before almost every class of my computer science degree, the first week of the class was spent relearning binary. And yeah. the first time I was like, oh, okay, a little, little review. And the fifth time I was looking around the room like, <laughs> I've learned this with all the people in the room yeah. currently taking notes. Like what's, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, to, to be fair, subtraction in binary is particularly difficult. I had to learn that like three times before I understood it. Oh, you know what? I may have yeah now now that you're saying that i'm i may be due for a refresher on how to do subtraction in binary multiplication is also sort of tricky yeah yeah, yeah okay well it's still a fun story for me to tell <laughs> <laughs> um how was your week what'd you get up to um week has been busy because so we were supposed to go up to michigan for the christmas holiday on friday uh today is tuesday and there's a big old storm coming and if we waited till friday we would slide off the road and so we at least have to go thursday but thursday's probably still too late because it's sort of starting on thursday hmm. so i think we're gonna go on wednesday which means lots of rushing around doing things we thought we had time to do but we don't so that's what i've been doing today that and uh work um work is going well uh so i'm like two months in now or so and i there is a lot to learn at like in any big company, I guess, but there's just and also the, the particular job I'm doing. So developer relations is very, it's varied. There's lots and lots of different things that I need to be responsible for or need to be, you know, keep up tabs on. And so just learning what all those things are is a lot of work. Hmm. Um, but so far it's going well. I'm reminded of the, about once a year storms we've been having in texas where for like two or three days the entire state just shuts down because mm -hmm. nobody knows how to prepare for it. no no one can <laughs> drive on the roads nobody uh nobody has the the chains or anything else and uh as a civilization as a as a micro civilization we are uh very unprepared for cold weather that's a thing that confuses texans very much yeah uh it, yeah well in this one like it's only so I'm, we're going to michigan in Indiana, there's only supposed to be like an inch of snow or so, and in Michigan, it's three to five inches, which is bad, but not not awful. Mm. But uh, it's supposed to drop to like zero degrees, I think, and it's supposed to be preceded by like a band of ice, which and you never know how that is, you know, it, like mm. it may be nothing or it may be absolutely disaster. You can't travel, so um, I think we're just gonna try to get in front of it. Dangerous. Um, and then I'd love to dig more into Google stuff as as much as you can say. Mm -hmm. Um. It sounds like so so uh you, you've been with them for uh, a couple of months now sounds like yep. most of the things that you've been doing have still been in orientation but like you're you're starting to uh do some projects that are like actual work that you're doing uh but that it's it's still uh very there, there's a lot there's a lot to understand still there's a lot of to, to connect with there's a, a like understanding your your place in the organization um yep. I, th I think what i'm most curious about is like how would you compare with your recent experience of, of adapting to this, how how do you compare bootstrapping work, working on your own mm. versus working at a big company like Google, 
pros and cons what's your current snapshot of how you feel oh pros and cons i thought you were going to just ask about the different work modes um pros and cons are interesting so pros for bootstrapping uh, well pros for some people maybe pros for me is that i can hold the entire code base in my head i can mm-hmm. hold all of the you know like uh, all the issues and marketing things i'm doing and I, like everything sits in my head and i hardly need like maybe i have to do less to keep track of things but it's all in your head um with something like the size of google uh you can't possibly do that uh and there are people who have lots of organi- you know institutional kind of knowledge like lots of you know background and stuff um but even still there's like a million documents and a million like different you know like places that information is kept and so you have to be a lot better at finding information how to find information um, which google is actually really good at i mean you can imagine like google is all about organizing information (laughs) so you better believe that their information is pretty well organized but uh, it's still a lot um and then like you get so i got a question today and i had to like research for an hour about things because i i don't you know, I wasn't there when the thing was built. And so now I got to go read about when it was built and when, you know, why it exists this way and what it even is and what these 30 acronyms are. And uh, so that's just very, very different. So, um, but the major pro is that I get paid. <laughs> and that, <laughs> let's face it, it's the reason that people get jobs. Um, so, yeah. Also, it is, so working solo can be fun, but it can also be really lonely. Um, working in a, I've enjoyed working on a team again because there are people there who are, you know, working towards similar goals. Right. And so you have some camaraderie where working solo, like we, we do this podcast because working solo can be, you know, lonely or, or isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's the opposite basically at Google. There's unlimited number of people I could meet if I wanted. So, yeah. Cool. The, the first point you said of being able to hold the entire code base, the entire company in your head is interesting because I I don't know how to work on just a piece of a thing. Mm-hmm. My my professional career has been defined by like working on things that I can hold entirely in my head, which limits the size of the things that I can build, right? But uh, you know, with with software, you can uh, uh, like the the size, like the, the capability of a tool that is small enough to fit in your head can be magnified but of course at google my gosh that's a big chunk of the economy uh it would be impossible to do that however you're working specifically on the google photos team uh within a team where you have a a subset of responsibility um what what are your feelings towards uh like like it's like the spider-man quote with great power comes great responsibility you have less power in that you're, you're responsible for less of this code base and also less responsibility. There's, there's less things you have to be thinking about. You can just specialize in, in at this at this one uh, task. Um, is that easier because you can just focus, or is it harder because you have to? You still have to have a greater understanding of what you're doing, and, and that greater ecosystem is so much bigger. Um, how, how do you think about that? So it's different. Um, and. This is actually, I think, one place where Levels comes into play at Google. So Levels was a foreign concept to me just a little bit ago, but it's basically how they do, you know, um, promotions, right? And so there's different at levels from, like, basically if you're fresh out of school, you'll be an L3. Um, you can be below that if you're, like, an intern or whatever. But And, and then it goes up from there where, like, the, the, 
so the CEO of Google is probably, he doesn't have a level, but it's probably something like an L11. I don't know what it is exactly, but okay. yeah. And then directors around like L6, L7 can be, I think maybe L7 have, are directors. And so that's sort of the, the spread. And basically as you move up that, that or so as you go lower in that ladder, that's when you're focused on a very, very small section. Mm-hmm. As you move up that ladder, that's where your focus expands and you have to be even though you may be focused on a small section, you have to be cognizant of how that affects all the services it interacts with. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm focused on the Google Photos API, but I have to be aware of like how all of our partners use it, how, you know, um, like if anyone within Google is interacting with it, um, that's actually a different conversation for reasons I won't get into, but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so like and, and then how it comes across across different teams not just within photos but outside of photos too so there's like i have responsibilities for the api outside of just the api mm-hmm. um which is hard right because especially because i don't know all the details and so like it's at some point you have to get really good at like saying i know this part and then there's like a wall here where i don't know it but i know what i know what i expect from the other side and then if that doesn't happen then i have to go dig deep into why that's not happening so you sort of build up these like Mm -hmm. barriers to your knowledge i think and uh that's the skill i'm not very good at yet but Mm -hmm. uh hopefully we'll get better yeah because i because i like knowing everything and i can't right right okay yeah so your the reason it's difficult for you is that your impulse is to (laughs) understand the wall and then understand what's on the other side of the wall but there there are some hard walls that within this context like you know, you, you can't, you I just can't. don't have yeah, not enough time in the world. Right. 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 Um, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause it's such a big problem. Are, are, have you hit yet? I don't know if you can talk about this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Have you hit like frustrating bureaucratic walls like that, where it's, you know, you see a, you see a, a strategic decision in the platform that you disagree with and you'd like to push on that. But the answer is just like, because I said so. Oh, oh no, not because I said so. Um, I'll answer generically, not specifically. Uh, Generically, you might be frustrated at a, you know, organization the size of Google when they do things that you think are kind of weird. But, you know, consider that they are trying to serve however many, you know, billion, you know, significant fraction of the world uh, uses Google services. Um, And so any little small change has a huge impact in terms of number of people. And so every change, every every little bit has to be considered from you know 20 different angles mm-hmm. um and so things that don't make sense at the surface often make sense after you hear the you know 200 hours of meetings that went behind the decision mm. in order to consider everyone using it um i guess that's what i'll say so th- there's no like okay. this is the way it is because it's the way it is uh right. um there but there, there's a lot of discussion that might not make sense from the outside that makes sense once you hear what's going on okay Okay, I feel that. Specifically with Google Photos, it's interesting that that's the team that you landed on because I have specific gripes with Google Photos that, like, yep. I uh-huh. understand there's probably that sort of, you know, 200 hour of meetings explanation for, for why it is the way it is. Uh, but, like, come on, like, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing done. I'm, I, I want API access to be able to, you know, change the album by my photos or uh, we'll get into to, uh, another topic on that. Uh, well, I, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, all I can say is uh, the official supported, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the official lines, which are the supported use cases for the Google Photos API are, and then, yes. you know, list them on the page. That That's what I can say. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, sounds like it's going really well overall. Uh, I'm definitely feeling the uh, the money benefit. I sure would like something like that 
that'd be great <laughs> especially with this uh this ftx stuff uh yeah yeah oh, and any updates on that or same? uh the most recent update that i've heard is that sam bankman fried has been arrested yeah i heard that and i think that's probably bad news for me because that's indication of clear fraud and that the money is actually gone and he had this line in interviews where he was saying that there actually is some solvency and that you know the the uh btx us has something like 90 percent of the funds that it should have and so him getting arrested is probably an indication that the things he was saying might not be true um but there can be we'll securities say. fraud and still money left the, those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive for sure for sure i think it's probably worse for me as an individual if he gets arrested um mm-hmm. because it at least means it's, it's going to take a, it's going to take a long time because for sure yeah, yeah. although it, i i saw an interesting uh analysis of this uh from coffee coffee zilla i think is this new youtube channel that uh has been around for a while that does like this investigative journalism stuff mm-hmm. and uh he was saying that it's unprecedented how quickly they moved it took weeks, but on the scale of the government, weeks is extraordinarily fast. Yeah. Uh, and it was all done entirely in secret. Like two days before he got arrested, he was saying that he didn't think he was going to get arrested. And uh, to, to be able to move with that swiftness and, you know, th- there's a big burden of evidence that they have to be able to, to pile up. And they got it, apparently. So yeah. I yeah, wonder it's... if that, did they, in, co- in the CoffeeZilla thing, I'll have to go watch that. Did they say anything about, usually when they move that quickly it's because they've been doing pre-work for like two years hmm. so i wonder if they were onto him for years before beforehand that's interesting they didn't say that uh i don't know because you're right that government usually takes a long time oh, or it could mean that they thought he was a significant flight risk which my understanding is he was he, he went to the bahamas yeah. to try to get to a different country with yeah, yeah. tradition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they got him before then so i think one of the explanations also for why they move so swiftly is that the the number in variety and uh, uh, total number of victims is gigantic and includes the government Mm. and includes a lot of really wealthy people who have a lot of political power. So he, uh, yeah, (laughs) if you're going to commit a crime, (laughs) steal from poor people (laughs) because (laughs) it'll probably go much better for you. Uh, Not as many people with political power will care. Uh, And then don't don't fly to somewhere with extradition that can uh, take away yes. your passport yeah go to go to russia or something uh, russia is one yeah i argentina they don't maybe he should have hopped on a, a boat to argentina or something uh <laughs> they, yeah, they might not they might not be one i, I don't remember there's there, there's a country in the south america i think it might be argentina where'd snowden go didn't snow to go to, to russia to like russia yeah yeah okay. and he just got russian citizenship too interesting so, which means he had to like pledge loyalty to russia which is interesting huh that is yeah. interesting yeah. watch him get like drafted for the ukraine war i believe he's now eligible although he's older <laughs> but, yeah. oh man <laughs> reality is so strange uh yeah <laughs> you uh i think you're also working on the gravity waves competition yep. with your your new team who doesn't care about money how's that going yeah yeah that's going well uh we are we are in the very last place that still has a gold medal on the public leaderboard cool. um i think there will be a shakeup though and so hopefully like not, not a very big one but enough that being in the last place of the gold medal is not a very comfortable place to be because you go down one place and then you'll lose your medal so um we still have ideas we're working on those Uh, i'm about to go away so i'm going to try the engrok trick again Uh, Mm. but if these storms which have high winds knock out the power at all Mm. then my server goes offline and i can't like it i I can't figure out how to get it to restart automatically Mm. uh so i might try i actually i have a big old battery backup 
that I ha- don't have it connected to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, but we're leaving tomorrow. I might just plug it in and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can already see what's going to happen immediately after this. You're going to be like messing around with the battery pack. And your wife's going to be like, "What are you doing? We got to get ready for this trip." And you're like, "I am getting ready for the trip. What do you think I'm doing?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to probably light on fire when I'm gone or something. That. <laughs> Um, can you dig into specific tactics of, uh, interesting findings you may have had of how you're tackling this problem? Um, there's a few things that we haven't tried yet, so I can talk all about those if I, if I want, cause we haven't done them yet, but yeah. I think are interesting. Um, one is, you know, we're a little worried. So when you're worried about a shakeup, you're worried about something called domain shift, which means you have all this training data and, but the test data might be slightly different in some mm. strange ways. And I just ran across a uh, lecture about how to deal with that uh, in an unlabeled way. Um, and so this kind of is its sort of like a GAN, which is interesting. It uses an adversarial training tactic. Mm. Um, and I haven't done it before, and I don't know if it works or not, so we'll see. Um, but it's you basically, while you're training, you, you train the classifier, and then at the same time, you train a different thing that tries to get the distributions of your, um, basically your last layer to overlap. Mm. So if you can do that, if you can get your distributions of your last layer to overlap, that means that you've effectively solved for the, the distribution shift problem. And then if you your classifier still outputs good results, that means that you've also solved for the classification case, which means Hold on. You've, you've lost me. If yeah, you're... I thought I might have. <laughs> um, so okay, so so say say you have a bunch of data and it's all the background is all red. Okay. And you have a, all your test data is so that's your training data and you know the labels for that. Mm-hmm. And then your test data is the same images, but the backgrounds are all blue. Okay. And you have um, no labels for that. If you just ran a simple classifier on that, it would be extremely easy to separate train and test because mm-hmm. it would just go on the background and say, is it red? Train if it's blue, test. Mm-hmm. What you want, though, is you want to focus not on anything that's different between them. You just want to focus on the things that are the same. So in this case, it's the actual gravity wave signal. And if the noise, so in this case, we're worried about the noise having some properties that we're not aware of. We want it to ignore the noise. Mm. So what you could do is while you're training the classifier on your training data, mm-hmm. you can have basically swap switch between that and training to basically get your final output of the network, which is what the network, like after it's learned all those things, to not know the difference between the train and the test set. Hmm. So in this red blue example, it would it would have to learn to ignore the red and the blue and just focus on the like the foreground, for example. I see. Okay. Yeah. I let me let me try to repeat that and see if I understand. If in a in a really simple version of this, let's say that like I'm trying to tell the color of a circle in the middle of the image. Mm-hmm. And each image also has a background color. Mm-hmm. And all of my training data has a red background color and yep. the different colors of circles in the middle. And all my test data has a blue background color and the different color of circles in the middle. And I want to make sure that the network is going to ignore the background color and only focus on the color of the circle. Yep. So I could feed it some of the test data mm-hmm. and how I, and, and I'm making sure that it's not paying attention to the background color, but I'm not sure how I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah. So you feed it a whole bunch of test data and a whole bunch of train data. Okay. And if you imagine that plotted like on two axes, then you might mm-hmm. have a clump of train data here and a clump of test data here. Yes. And then what you do is your loss function is actually you want those overlapped. Okay. I want to make sure that I want to make sure that the network can't tell the difference between the train data and the test data. Exactly. Okay. That's what you meant by overlapping. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I understand. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a 
cool idea. Yeah. Oh, and I could see that being really important because, like, if the if the gravity wave signals are coming from a different lab or something, uh, it they they might look drastically different. It might be different in amplitude or, or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, the background noise especially might be what the background noise that <clears throat> what you want to ignore might be very very different, and so mm-hmm. you you want to ignore that, <laughs> and so. Uh, um, yeah, this is a way to sort of automatically learn what to ignore, uh, which is pretty cool. It also sounds very tricky to train for. Like, mm. I watched this whole lecture. It was an MIT lecture, and I understand the mechanics, but I also get the feeling that it might be really tricky. So it's mm. something I'm going to try, but if it takes more than a couple of days, it's probably not worth it for this competition. Okay. I wanted to ask you also what the input is to this. I know for audio, you frequently make it a, an image. Uh, is that what you're doing for this? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, they actually already made it an image for you. And mm. some people are actually trying to reverse that to get the original signal out. It's mm. actually sort of difficult because to do that, you have to have all of the data. But because the way these labs work, they go offline for various reasons, like maintenance or whatever. Um, mm. And so like you have these gaps in the data. So you actually mm. can't just easily reverse back out to the signal. Um, mm. So it's actually an interesting problem to solve there is how do you get a signal out when you have gaps in the FFT? Mm. But yeah, they already converted it to an FFT for you. Cool. I saw recently a version of GPT. I don't think that's accurate. It was some sort of a network where you could generate songs, mm, yeah. but it didn't just directly generate the song. It generated the waveform, and then there's some other known process for going from the waveform to the song. So I thought that was really cool that like <laughs> there there is this core visual language of these AIs that uh, they're able to understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's often how that's sound cool. works is you go to the FFT first, which is an image, and then you <coughs> do whatever you want, and then you go back. Mm-hmm. FFT okay. is fast Fourier transform. Fast Fourier transform, yeah. Okay. What we're using the gravity wave is actually SFT, which is short short time Fourier transform or something. It's it's They break it up into windows, do an mm. FFT on, just on the window, and mm. then concatenate all these windows together. Mm. And, so, and some of the windows are missing, like if the detector was offline at that time. So Cool. I've watched several YouTube videos about fast Fourier transforms, and I feel like I sort of understand it, but I probably have tested on it. I, I probably wouldn't. Uh, my understanding is it's like finding the constituent waves, yep. base waves that make up a, a much more complicated signal. So if you have like a sine wave shifted in some way in frequency and, and uh, stretched out combined with a sine wave that was totally different. It's And then you're left with that complicated wave, a fast Fourier transform. Uh, well, a Fourier transform is a process of extracting the constituent waves. And then a fast Fourier transform is a shortcut where you find intersecting points that are common that don't need to be uh, recalculated. And then yeah. it's, it's, it's an approximation. Yeah, it's an approximation. The fast Fourier transform is an approximation, which actually makes it you know, tractable. Otherwise, yep. it would like take forever to yep. calculate it. Yep. You bet. That tracks. Um, you're also working on a thing on the Santa competition, the non-AI competition yep. on, uh, uh, yeah, how's that going? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running that in the background because, uh, that's like CPU only optimization stuff. And, mm. uh, I have theoretically improved, but there, there's sort of two stages to that. Uh, one is like actually determining the path and then the other is like calculating the robot arm path for it. Mm. Um, and so I've theoretically improved my actual path thing. Uh, but I haven't actually tried to use the robot arm, uh, partly because, uh, I know that it won't get me into the gold zone. Like it'll it'll bump me up into the silver, but I'm like, eh, what's the point? Because <laughs> so, it's kind of a lot of work to do the second part. And sure. so, unless I unless I, yeah, I I know what I want to do next, and it's basically like I got to set it up and then let it run for like two days. Hmm. So, okay, probably do that while I'm gone. Yeah, you I think need one more gold, two more golds to be two, a two more golds. Yeah, two more. 
where I'm really hoping this gravity waves one gets one, yeah, but yeah. we're right on the edge. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, Santa, I don't think I'll get there uh, because I don't know how the people at the top are doing that well. So and, sure. and, unless they just have really big computers and they're running it 24 hours sure. a day, which is possible. Is there a prize to this one? I think you said there was a cash prize. Yeah, 10 grand for the first top five okay. people or something like that. So from an individual strategy perspective, it probably makes more sense for you to not target ones with big cash prizes because that would you don't care about the cash prize what you do care about is the gold a lot of other people would care about the cash prize so that's true um there's there's not that many to choose from though i think there's like actually there's a lot right now there's like seven open competitions or something but mm-hmm. i'm only like i only feel like i have the skills for maybe four of them mm-hmm. uh and of those i can only work on one or maybe two at a time sure so i'm so it sort of can define for me you know outside of the cash prize part so sure yeah. i hope you get gold on this gravity one. uh i talked a little bit just sort of spitballing what my rough strategy would be for the santa one uh i think you said that the the core of the problem that you've thought about so far is just uh, cluster like like navigating on the map but you haven't thought about the robot arm what's what's the rough strategy for finding the the path through the image oh uh, i have thought about the robot arm uh it's just tricky because it gets hung up a lot it, mm. so the robot arm there's like you know uh, one to the 36 or 10 to the 36 there's something different configurations for certain things and so it's like mm-hmm. you only can do approximations for sure um for, for the path part though that's traveling salesman which is a classic problem uh and there are a variety of ways you can solve that uh, you can't solve it optimally for an image that big but you can get approximations and you can do things like chunk it you know split it up into chunks and then try to solve for the chunks and then concatenate the chunks together mm-hmm. um, so there's a variety of of options there uh but in general, once you hit a certain point, uh, you just have to let the thing run for a long, long time before you get mm-hmm. to the next like point. Um, so, it you, you you hit a like it's not a local mini- minima, but you you hit diminishing returns relatively quickly. Yeah, it's been a while since I've solved a good classic algorithm problem like that. Most yeah. of the coding that I do day to day is just connecting pipes between different services and, and then it doesn't work the way it should and then I'm banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how to actually make it work. Yeah. That, it would be fun to dig into a problem like that. Yeah, that's, that's why I like the Cal competitions. I, I also like them because they're like three months long. Actually, so the Santa one's only like a month and a half or two months or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, you've learned a bunch and then you can just throw away all your code. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one is ever going to run that again. So, yeah. And maybe you copy and paste chunks for the next competition but otherwise, like, I, yeah, I, I think there's a there's a certain joy in like writing code that you know is only going to be useful for a month and then going to be yeah. thrown away yeah 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 the place where i love doing that the most is in board games i think mm. the most recent one that i did in that genre was trying to solve a game called anagrams which is a alternate rules to the game bananagrams which is sort of a spin-off of scrabble and the core problem is given a set of letters and a set of words that contain letters find new words that you can make either from the free letters that are available or using a combination of whole words that are available on the board, uh, rearranging the letters, but you have to use every letter from, from the word. So, oh gosh, something like, uh, uh, oh no, <laughs> uh, what's a word? I'm so bad at it is the reason why I like <laughs> try to, to cheat at it. Do you have um, to rearrange the whole thing. So like, uh, given a word, you can, you can, you can't just add like s at the end of it because that's too trivial or like er because uh, that's trivial you you would have to like take the letters of the word and rearrange them in some meaningful way to make a new word so like uh the the word uh uh 
her h-e-r i think three is the minimum number of words uh if there was uh uh o-i-n-e just as three letters on the board or maybe oh oh her and one as two separate words and then also there was the letter i you could rearrange those to form the word heroine Ah. uh, would be an example solution of that and that was a fun thing to code and that was a long time ago and i'm still really bad at the game but if i can use my cheaty program (laughs) i'm much better yeah i've solved a few games like that too there was one particular uh puzzle that i solved that way that was very annoying so i just wrote a thing to solve it um I, i've solved a couple word ones as well like trying to find the most complete word list on the internet is interesting mm. um yeah that's cool for stuff like that it's easy because you can just use the scrabble dictionary there's there's a, mm. in the rules it's like you it has to be a, a word from this list uh, I, see, I, see. I would love to talk about two big things that i did this last week cool. the first is backups and the second is the video clipper went through a soft launch all right so let's start let's talk about backups first because because i want to <laughs> yeah there's no reason it's listed first in my notes um so <laughs> last week we were talking about how i've just been losing things and it sucks and the most recent thing that i had lost was my email list but then i got it back oh my gosh i was so happy but that put me in this frame of mind of just thinking how what what else do i stand to lose doing this negative visualization of like what other things in my life could I lose in the same sort of way? And I was a little bit horrified to come up with a really long list of my Dropbox account is not locally synced and hasn't been in a while. And if Dropbox Mm. announced tomorrow that, oh no, we have this massive data outage and all our data is gone, I would lose a lot of important stuff and that would suck. Same thing for Google Drive. Google Photos we talked about last week. My email we talked about last week. And then all these application databases, like my database for File Inbox, both on Firebase and the legacy Postgres database. So I had just a super turbo day where I backed up, I think, 90% of these things and did it in a way that it's going to be really easy to keep them backed up. And I still have some things that I need to do to follow up on to to make it more automatic. But I'm, I'm pretty happy, like you know if there was a data outage right now i would feel pretty safe pretty well insured and i have the opportunity to be doing even better improvements on this so i I wanted to just talk through my philosophy on this and how i did it and uh i'd I'd love if you poke holes in it or have suggestions of like how i could make it even better so my goal was for something to exist if, if it's an important piece of information I need it to exist on my local external hard drive because if it's there, it also gets back to up to Backblaze. So even if there was a fire in my house, it's still in Backblaze. I can still get it back. If there's a data outage, the most likely case, I can just get it directly from my hard drive. And then from my hard drive also, it's easy to, to just back it up locally. So the solution for Dropbox and Google Drive were the same and they were pretty straightforward. I just use uh, a tool called rclone R-C-L-O-N-E, that is phenomenal and free and lets you treat cloud services as if they were external servers. Hmm. So I just linked Dropbox and Google Drive to this as sources, and I said rclone sync uh, Dropbox with this local folder on my hard drive and let it run and downloaded like, uh, I don't know, probably 100 gigabytes on Dropbox and maybe 20 on Google Drive, and then it was on my hard drive, and then I already have this Backblaze thing set up, so it, it is slurping those up. I think I still have something like half a terabyte to, to uh, push up to Backblaze. So that feels good. It's not happening regularly, 
but that's okay i think because i'm not adding stuff to dropbox and google drive regularly so i think my sop for this is just going to be once a month i run this script to resync it and uh yeah i i, I have it locally and it'll I'm also sorry. be in back place what's oh my watch is oh wow it's listening to me for a while from regularly <laughs> okay <laughs> it just responded i'm sorry it's spying on us <laughs> um as uh, we're wait. recording i guess <laughs> <laughs> um what are your what are your thoughts on that first chunk of my new resilient life uh backing up dropbox and google drive yeah i think that's good um i that that's what like phone reminders are great for for me like you know or calendar reminders set a reminder on the first of the month to press this button you know yeah yeah i think that's fine um and i guess you said dropbox wasn't syncing to your laptop do you do or to your your hard drive do you turn that off for some reason like automatic i don't have the app installed and i haven't for a while because i just don't need you know a lot of the files in dropbox i don't need on my hard drive and i don't want them on my hard drive you can set them to ignore i can but the last time i tried to do that it was really really tedious if i if i could just tell it like you know here's my get ignore file for dropbox that would be much easier Mm. but yeah uh yeah and then also like there's stuff on dropbox that yeah you know what in thinking through this maybe the solution is like i need to clean off dropbox stuff that's on there that i'm just sort of archiving maybe shouldn't be in dropbox and should just be in this this backblaze thing and stored locally hmm okay yeah, but then if you have a fire and backblaze goes down what do you do like there's all you know, there's <laughs> <laughs> how many yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> i mean can't you so so what i have in dropbox i have an archive folder which does not get synced mm-hmm. and then all my other folders are just around and they do get synced um i also have an archive folder and that's that's the folder that i'm uh not wanting so to do i think you can just ignore a whole folder yeah okay okay Hmm. <laughs> but i guess you can't have hmm. if you put like old projects in there i don't think you can say like ignore any file called node modules right which is exactly what i do that that's yeah. exactly what i want to do um maybe i need to rethink my whole strategy with this i think i need to look critically at the, at the files being stored in dropbox the stuff that i'm regularly accessing for dropbox is like business stuff like like once yeah. a month rachel goes in and pays my quarterly or, or monthly taxes and then takes a screenshot and puts that in dropbox and then you know makes my uh tax form i forgot what it's called and, and like uploads that there and then at the end of the year when it's time to do taxes i like i know where all those things are that's like 80 percent of what i'm using dropbox for right now so maybe that's all dropbox does for me right now and okay okay yeah i've got some stuff to, to chew on there the next thing uh the the thing that triggered all this is that my database for my email list wasn't getting backed up which is just a sql database that was being stored on the vps and then when the vps went down i had no access to it so i went i went a little crazy on this one i i I got a hosted sql database from google and turned on the backups of that so i'm getting like nightly backups of that that are automatic and then i also made a script to do a sql dump to which i think just export exports uh like sql commands uh sql dump to the same backup folder on my external hard drive so now i have a local copy which is also getting synced to backblaze and google is also backing it up so 
I have trouble thinking of a possible way that I could possibly lose this data again. Uh, can you think of a way that, that this could fail? Sure. I mean, you have a fire, a black place goes down, and you lose <laughs> access to your Google account. <laughs> yeah, how many nines do you want? Uh, no, I think that's fine. Yeah, I think that's okay. reasonable. One thing that I was a little neurotic about in doing this is I really want to make sure that I actually am backing up the data. This was uh, Patrick McKenzie's yeah. quote that you brought up last time, like, have you tested your backups? And I opened the the SQL dump and just saw, like, I searched for an email address that I know should exist in there and found it. So I think I'm good. Yeah. I haven't, like, tried to restore a SQL database because I just don't use SQL a lot and that would yeah. feel kind of tedious, but I, I'm pretty sure the data is all there. One thing I just thought of is, so Backblaze is based on your hard drive backup. What if yeah. your hard drive gets corrupted, but in a way that it doesn't know it's corrupted? Yeah, like a... um. Oh, like, what's it? The, like a bit flips the, or something. Yeah, but there's also an, an attack people do where they encrypt files on your hard drive and then... Uh, yeah, like a, like one of those Bitcoin phishing attacks. Or, right, or like right, the, right. Yeah, yeah. And then that gets backed up to Backblaze. Does yes. Backblaze have a history of files? They do have a history of files. Um, so you can you can go to a specific point in time yeah. uh, and, and ask for the files as they existed at that time, uh, which is resilient to that. But I'd love to have protection against that that wasn't dependent on Blackbird. So maybe I have like, maybe I have two different hard drives, and only one of them is connected at a time. But then how would I detect? Maybe I have a script that goes through and like checks the checksums, or or looks at a diff of the two hard drives as I swap them out. I I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Okay. Well. <laughs> guess it's fine then <laughs> uh the next big category was stuff on firebase and i found a fantastic third-party script called firebase export that or no sorry firestore export that takes uh your your authenticated data for your firebase document or for your for your uh, firebase account and exports your entire firestore document as a giant json uh file so I wrote a script to go through every single project I care about, which was like 20 projects. There's a lot of these little tiny mm. things that I started that still have data on them. Like at one point I made a, a link, uh, like read later list for myself and then just forgot about it. But there's still like a hundred links on here that are interesting yeah. that I wrote notes about. So that's exported now. And that would have been tragic if I had lost all that in one go. And now I have a backup of it, which is very the, nice. The link file you forgot about and have never looked at. <laughs> yeah like i don't know I, right. I, to, I, to, to be fair i have one too that has probably a thousand links on it that i'm probably never gonna look at that's good but it'd be bad like I wrote, if i lost it i wrote notes about it i don't know there's just yeah, something yeah. I, just, I don't like losing data i really like yeah i don't know sure. i might be a digital hoarder but i really like just having this stuff. and it's so cheap like you get a hard drive for a hundred dollars like you can store yeah. terabytes of stuff and so yeah i want to I keep stuff on it um and that's also for like active projects for uh firebase and the video clipper so even if there's some catastrophic bug and I delete the table that deletes everyone's uh, clip metadata and, and the titles. Uh, I have a snapshot of that from a few days ago and I plan to run that once a month. And for projects that are being actively uh, uh, edited that I would like a little bit more reassurance of, I found scripts to automatically take snapshots of uh, Firestore databases and put them in Google Cloud Storage. So, and then that can run as frequently as you want. I'll probably do that like once a day or once every two days. Uh, haven't done that part yet, but I, I only need to do that for these two projects that are like active and, and have uh, other users. Ah, uh, three, because I also run my time tracker on there. So I'd want to do it with my time tracker. 
Uh, thoughts on my Firebase? Uh, no, that was pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Here's a question I have on that though. I I don't currently know how to think about the Google Cloud Storage buckets that are in these projects. So mm -hmm. like for file inbox how important is it that i also keep a backup of the files that people were sent and for the mm -hmm. video clipper how important is it that i also keep a backup of all the source video files that people have uploaded um if i uh, lost those yeah. it would feel really bad because i like the the recovery path to that then would be you need to re-upload your videos for each project like i have the metadata but i don't have the data actually you know what here's what i want to do I want to I want to just back those up to another cloud provider. I don't think I care about it enough to to have it be in my crazy rigorous system, but I think I do want it like synced to maybe B2 or maybe like cold line storage on S3 or something, something that's on a different cloud provider. Yeah, I would. And it can be extremely painful to get it out of that. I think that's okay because that's still better than not having the file at all. Like for file yeah. inbox, I'm thinking about like what if people are using file inbox like people use Dropbox? Like they upload mm. it and then expect it to be there. Although yeah, you yeah. auto delete files, don't you? Anyway? I do, yeah. Yeah, so they wouldn't do that. Never mind. Um, For the most recent, like 30 or 60 days of files, I, I keep those around because I frequently have people who are like, oh, I thought I was syncing to this place, but it wasn't actually. And, you know, can you can you save the day and get my files back? And yeah. I say, yes, I can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, w I would save it because even if it's really painful, it's still better than not having them, I think. Cool. Yeah. That is helpful. Uh, GCS to B2 or AWS cold line. Okay. Uh, and then the last category of things, uh, I think the best tactic is to just use takeout. So like for Google stuff, for Twitter stuff, for Facebook stuff, going through once a month. And I don't know if I'm gonna do this once a month. I'd like to be doing it once a month. Going through and, and like checking out all of my data. Uh, I was surprised to see on Google Photos, oh, this was interesting. On our clone, one of the sources on our clone is Google Photos, so they can do this incremental like syncing. Uh, I don't know how they're doing that though, because that's not like in the official API. But it doesn't it doesn't get the full resolution photos, and importantly, it doesn't include the location metadata, which I I want. To, like, it's important for me that I just have all the data. Uh, so I for for Google Photos in particular, I might do some sort of a hybrid of like my true backup of this is the takeout but then i'm also taking these incremental snapshots so that at worst i lose i lose the metadata and full quality of the last month of photos i've taken and then i have like the true backup of all the original files um same with twitter like all my tweets now are backed up uh facebook all my facebook data oh i ordered the I ordered the takeout, but I haven't actually downloaded it. Oh, and the same for Google. I haven't actually downloaded those, but I, I ordered it. Uh, it takes like days to, to for them to like compile all the, all the data. It's a uh, lot of data, yeah. True. What are your thoughts on the third category of the, the takeout services? Yeah. Um, Twitter is an interesting <coughs> one because until recently, I was like, nah, Twitter is not going to go down, whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, I might want to do Twitter. Yeah, I'll think about that. Um, for Google Photos, uh, the official way to get all your photos is use Google Takeout. <laughs> That's what okay. I have to say about that. Okay, you corporate shill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's now my job to be a corporate shill. Great. Um, yeah, but honestly, that it is the way that you're like it. It yeah. is the officially supported way that, that 
you're supposed to get you know the sure your, your data back which so. it's it's fine especially like what yeah. a, what a valuable service they're providing that like i just don't have to think about it and all my photos just show up magically yeah. and i don't pay for it i don't understand how you're making money from this um well there is um <clears throat> what can i say publicly yeah it used to be that it was totally free they mm. changed that now and so you have limited storage um so you have to sign up for google one if you oh want actually yes i'm a paying customer of google one okay yeah i guess you're you're so getting you some money it. from me then there you go. all right yeah all right yeah. it's like a hundred dollars a year or something that was ridiculous yeah yeah no it's not that much for how much data it allows you to store yeah i think yeah that's cool okay cool um yeah so i i altogether feel much safer i feel like uh, i'm much more prepared for the next data outage of something yeah. that happens i think it would still be oh oh gmail also uh is one i didn't make a note of uh i found a, you, a tool called gmail takeout. you can use takeout for that too right i can and there's a incremental backup tool mm. called gmail sync or something there used to be one written by google but it hasn't been updated in like 10 years mm. so this one i think just syncs over imap uh and makes these uh uh i i box or or it's a weird file format yeah. but it's a standard format apparently of ways that uh mailboxes are are archived and compressed and everything else so i haven't tested those i'd like to test excuse yeah. me i'd like to test those uh test gmail backup um but that's incremental which is better so once a once a month that's just part of my scripts of the backup scripts that are going to download this insane amount of data and then back it up um yeah anything i'm forgetting data that i would have out there in the ether that i would yep. be sad do you if have I lost. uh passwords and or private certs or like bitcoin certs or something that... oh yeah passwords uh my primary password manager is in chrome oh and i have one for mac os also oh i need to back up i would uh, encrypt that and store that somewhere passwords yeah so in chrome you can export just uh i think it's like a csv file of all your passwords um and i do want to encrypt those how 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 would you encrypt that <laughs> what's, uh, a, what's it, a good way to there are various uh scripts that will encrypt it i know there's a ruby library that you can encrypt it with like you encrypt things with a password like with real okay. encryption um so you still need a password but it can be one path you know a single password to encrypt all your right, right. things okay yeah that's uh that's unencrypted right now which would be very bad if <laughs> someone got to control my hard drive okay yeah i'll encrypt that um cool cool and then mac os passwords yeah i also need to do that um anything else sounds pretty good I'm trying to think yeah sounds pretty good cool all right i'll be referencing this episode the next time i have a dude where's my episode that involves digital yep. data I'm like chris <laughs> chris that was your opportunity you could, you could have reminded me that back up whatever uh my contacts chris you didn't think about my contacts oh yeah well, I thought that was in google takeout well it, it is in google takeout that's fine yeah uh cool okay uh second and last thing that i would like to talk about i soft launched the video clipper which awesome. is a huge milestone for me i'm very excited soft launch meaning like there's a lot of rough edges there's a lot <laughs> of <laughs> right now there's this bug where when you try to export a video there's just six seconds of silence at the end just oh. it's just six and the the progress bar is still going i don't know why it happens only when i do it from the website not when i do it remote uh on my mm. local computer fantastic and that's frustrating yep um F also F some F things to, to the rescue <laughs> i don't know 
Yeah, that's, no, it's it has something to do with how FFmpeg is. It's it's. Hmm. I, I don't understand why it would be different on my local computer though, because it, it should be the same FFmpeg. I think it might be like slightly different compiled versions or something that treat that, that duration yeah. differently. Um, but well, I'll figure it out. Uh, so what you can do today on the video clipper is sign up although there's not a sign up button on the home page you have to go through like a tweeter or the launch email that i did um you can sign up for an account you can upload a video it gets transcribed it doesn't show you any sort of a loading animation that is being transcribed but it's being transcribed so that's an, another rough edge you can highlight a clip you can title it you can download it and uh you can't theme it yet you can't upload custom fonts and the video the clip that you download is watermarked but you can clip, you can do the thing that, that it's supposed to be doing. So uh, I launched it and I had a fair number of people sign up for it. I think like, uh, I don't know, like, like a dozen-ish people. I don't have good numbers on it. And people That's are awesome. talking about it on Twitter. I had one person say, you know, when can I pay you money to remove the watermark? Because I like uploaded a video that I want clips of and made a bunch of clips. And, uh, you know, the clipping yeah. thing was really easy. So, yeah. That, that sounds uh, like the next feature. <laughs> yeah, it does. It sure does. And it is. <laughs> I guess that's what, I'm, what I was working on yesterday. Uh, today's a marketing day. So that's also what I'll work on tomorrow. And then hopefully tomorrow uh, I, I get my first sweet, sweet uh sas dollars from this thing that'll, that'll that's be awesome. exciting yeah i'm excited i made the stripe account i did most of the integration with firebase um it's not working right now and i don't know why but it'll it'll work tomorrow um i want to talk also about like on the day I, I i was having a really rough day the day after we recorded the podcast where i was working on this but i just felt, felt kind of overwhelmed of mm. there's so many things to do and i don't quite know what to focus on and i know, I know that i'd like to have by the 26th uh a, a thing that people can sign up for and, and pay me money for that's my goal but like i i'm the path there feels very unclear and i found myself falling down these rabbit holes of like oh maybe i should redo the interface so that the the layout is better and, and you can scroll the clips and i had a conversation with our mutual friend shy Schachter, mm -hmm. who asked me the question why can't you ship today and that was such a nice clarifying question because it just zoomed me in on well this thing is broken but I don't need to fix it. I can just hide it from the interface. And this other thing is broken, but that doesn't really matter. And I think there, it ended up being like three actual things that I needed to do. And then half of the work was just write the tweet, write the email, get my email system set up again with the, the uh, emails imported and stuff. And uh, and then I launched, not that day, but the, the next day, because there was a, another bug that I needed to fix. But yeah, that, that, that was the question that enabled me to, to be able to ship it so that felt really good and uh, it's it's following this mantra of like i need to ship before i feel like i'm ready and if i ship when i feel like i'm ready i have waited too long and i need to be doing like the marketing and the, and the product development at the same time so yeah I, I feel like i'm embodying and living that so that felt good yeah 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 what i'd say to that is probably very similar which is uh, well, well first of all you said December 26th, which is the day after Christmas. Uh, no one is going to be paying for SAS the day after Christmas. That's uh, correct. <laughs> and you should take a break too. <laughs> so that's my, that's, that's the Christmas break. morning. I'm going to be there on my laptop. Like, yep. furiously trying. yeah. Uh, so that's first. Uh, second. Yeah. Like it can be overwhelming to think like, how will I get people to sign up for this and I have to pay and I have to have documentation and I have to have whatever. Uh, right now you have someone who said, I want to pay you to remove watermarks. So you yes. should make it possible for that person to pay you to remove watermarks. Yes. If that is a, you know, a link to a, a dedicated straight page for that person, that's how it works. Uh, yeah. So just break it up into chunks like that. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about doing that and just sending them like a Stripe payment link or something, but I think it would actually be easier for me just to finish the integration because I've, I've, I've done it before. Like I'm just copying code from other projects yeah. and it, it's, you know, then I'm not going to have to go through the work of like linking their account with the way that it's going to work in the future. Uh, yeah. I, I think so too. What you could definitely skip out on is probably all, all the marketing copy and all the explanation copy that goes around all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can basically like go to this page, click this button and you will be able to sign up <laughs> and yes. then later you can fill out all the documentation or, or like, yes, yes, yes. Copy. Yeah, yeah. This is just going to be like a link in the user drop down like yeah. in the drop down right now where there's a logout button there's going to be another drop down that's like yeah. billing yep. and that's just going to take you to the stripe page that uh uh you can sign up for a plan the yeah. stripe checkout stuff by the way so nice they it's just they do everything for you i think they're charging me more but i think i don't care yeah uh yeah so that feels good yeah it's nice that they just like take care is, of it yeah is that is so much better because you don't it's it's like 10 pages of you know 10 like screens that you don't have to write yeah and including things like you know um yeah yeah uh, uh, anything involving credit cards <laughs> yes <laughs> which is always yeah. difficult they uh, do the invoices yeah. they handle all the logic of like switching plans canceling yes. plans if you cancel they even collect the can- the the reason why you canceled um yeah it's i i don't want to calculate how much money i'm gonna be paying them per month because that might make me want to code my own thing and from a business perspective it just makes so much sense it's 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 a single thing that i integrate once and then i just don't have to think about billing uh yeah right now it's zero so if it ever becomes you know 20k a month then you can calculate it and then you can be sad and redo it uh but yeah for right now ton of sense for sure makes sense um what else do I want to talk about? The email, the tweet, next up is Stripe, Stripe payments. Oh, there's two new marketing things that I would just like to bounce off of you. The first is affiliate marketing. Mm. This is a channel that uh, Dave Sedia of Recut is using. Uh, oh. Are you familiar with Recut? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay. Dave. For listeners who aren't, Recut is a fantastic native app for Mac OS and Windows and maybe Linux where you import your video and it can trim out all the silence in like a single click. And he has really nice fine grain customized tools of, you know, how much buffer do you want on each side? Do you, do you want it to be uh, it super <laughs> cut so it feels like this TikTok-y thing? Or do you want just major uh, gaps of silence to be taken out? And then you can export that as uh, to, to your full tool chain of, you know, if you're, if you're going to Final Cut Pro after that or something, uh, he can export a Final Cut Pro project for you. And so he has been experimenting with affiliate marketing um, which is great for that audience of video creators because one of their main income streams is affiliate marketing. That's something that they talk about in LA Bell's Project Music Academy of ways that you can monetize your channel. So I was thinking, and I've talked with them about this, like we could just share affiliates. Like anyone who's an affiliate for me, it would also make sense for them to be an affiliate for him and vice yeah. versa. Um, and because of the nature of who the customers are for each of these products, they are people who are uh influencers who are who are getting out there and, and telling people about new stuff and new tools so uh i think it would make sense for them to do and i read the i reread the uh affiliate marketing chapter of oh my gosh what's the, name of the book instruction yeah attraction yes thank you um and it talks about these platforms that you can go on like uh commission junction and different mm-hmm. things that you can integrate with but also that you can just make your own affiliate platform and some of the some of the platforms to buy into cost like two thousand dollars to to uh, be approved as a seller, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 
two two pronged question uh first prong is what do you think of this as a channel for me and the second prong is do you know anything about actually implementing a, a commission system uh is there a platform in particular that you like or, or does it make sense just to roll my own yeah i think this could be a great channel um i think it doesn't make a ton of sense to spend time on this until you have your own like sales funnel dialed in a little bit hmm. um like until you like affiliates are great at getting the word out and sending people into existing funnels as far as i mm-hmm. understand um but like if if your website can't sell your service yet then mm. it's too a little too early to think about it i think okay that's my feeling i could be totally wrong um the other thing i have the other thing i know is i think it was nathan barry who talked about affiliates and basically said it's harder than you expect hmm. um there are so many problems with affiliates that you have to think about so i would maybe go find um, interviews where he talked about it if maybe it wasn't him um i'd have to think about it uh, the, the other person who i noticed stuff with affiliates is oh shoot my can you still hear me yes again my, my browser just okay i went to I, I went to twitter to search and my browser just beach balled uh which is oh, no. something it does sometimes yeah awesome anyway i'm back uh uh so lewis from spark loop i think that's the name uh okay. he does affiliates for newsletters i think and he has talked about affiliates um or it might be someone to reach out to to ask about affiliates okay. um i probably know more people but i have to do research and my browser is not happy so i'll do that later yeah cool um okay i'll check out nathan barry on affiliates and uh lewis from spark loop um and that makes sense to me too that i like it doesn't quite make sense to do affiliates until i have an actual sale like you know don't do affiliates before people can pay me money right (laughs) why would someone want to be an affiliate um i'm trying to think though like what's the earliest i could possibly do this and i'm thinking that as soon as i have a sign up flow so people can like land mm-hmm. on my site they can sign up for an account they can try out the product they can upload their own video they can make clips they can export the clips and then they can see the value that they would be getting if they paid me money which is taken off the watermark and then they can pay me money through the, the stripe thing that feels like enough of a sales funnel that i could go forward with affiliate marketing so this this could yes. potentially be something that i do as soon as i get the uh stripe integration done i think so yeah cool okay i think that might be what i do second marketing channel and the last thing i want to talk about is sort of a mix of cold outreach and viral marketing if i'm using the terms from traction which is taking long popular videos from existing creators that i think would be a good fit for mm. the video clipper and making clips from their video that are pre-themed. Like I go through the work of theming them, importing the the font, matching the color, and then uh, posting them on Twitter. There's a recent video that just came out that I think is perfect for this, that I'm, I'm going through this process right now. Um, it's an interview by Arvind, uh, no, sorry, Ar- Arvid, Arvid Kahl, uh, interviewing Sahil from Gumroad talking about Gumroad's recent price increase, which is a that's a, a viral, interesting topic on Twitter right now. And it's a hour-long video or something that he posted that has gotten a ton of engagement, uh, which is surprising to me because, my gosh, it's an hour-long video. Um, wouldn't it be great if there were some short clips that you could yeah. just, like, do? So here's the thing that I would like help thinking through is, like, I'm going through... I imported uh, Arvid's font from his website, and I'm, I'm copying the colors of his brand colors and things. 
and so I have this this template that I can uh, make good looking clips from him. Uh, but I'm not sure. So I, I'm I'm I have like a dozen of these now that I think are, are pretty good clips. How might I engage with the original post in a way that is going to uh, what's my goal here? Maximize like awareness of the video video clipper and yeah. specifically get Arvid interested in using it as a customer. Um, I could like retweet it. I could reply within the thread. I could do all 12 clips. I could do just like one or two of the best ones that I've done. Um, I could post it on multiple different networks. I could like be posting this on TikTok and YouTube also. I could private message them to Arvid and be like, hey, I made these for you. Would you like to sign up for an account so you can download them? Uh, <laughs> how would you be uh, approaching that? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot to talk about here and we don't have much time left. So maybe we talk, maybe I think about it and talk about it next time. But okay. um, I have to do this like right now. So <laughs> Arvid is well, someone you can totally reach out to on Twitter. He sure. will either, he, he'll probably respond. Uh, if, if not, then you could actually, like he's super um, like um, responsive. And mm -hmm. so I would try to talk to him on Twitter. Um, okay. It'll be different for different creators. Some creators will be like, don't use my content. What are you doing? And like, mm. you know, tell you like, you know, go away um mm. some creators won't respond at all some creators will probably be happy that you do it um and so there's probably it's really probably different for each creator um mm. how yeah it would work um i kind of did this accidentally once when i was using adobe creator and a uh, creator what is it animator i think and mm. i was like just testing out different characters and yeah. uh i i clipped a podcast episode between um rob walling and um uh, who's the indie indie hackers guy um oh Cortland allen Cortland allen yeah, yeah yeah between rob walling and Cortland allen and uh I, I made characters for them animated characters and i made yeah. them like moving their things and, and i just tweeted it i was like here's a neat clip and i tweeted it and tagged both of them and they both responded and they were like hey this is cool and on twitter yeah. and that got some engagement so so uh, yeah i don't know like you know if that was you then creators some creators will probably just retweet your thing and yeah. they'll get some engagement so uh you could try that but cool for this first one i'd reach out to arvid i guess maybe okay and that's and that's the first step uh i i feel like i just want to like tweet clips of it first yes or but so I, or you could just tweet it from your personal account because this is this is something that you followed you listened to yeah. you are probably going to tweet about anyway and so yeah. it's totally i think cool to clip it and tweet it if you were going to like clip some totally random youtube account or something yes that's when it doesn't make any sense i think for you to tweet it from your personal account mm. yeah if it's like a basket weaving right. podcast or something then like, yeah okay okay I don't okay know. more to more to think about yeah but yeah would it would it be too much to post like every single one of these 12 clips that feels like a lot right yeah like, i wouldn't do that i think that's something arvid would do from his channel and maybe like trip a few of them out a day or something yeah i would, I would pick one whatever is most topical like okay. him you know looks like he'll talking about the price increase and then i would do that one okay i yeah. can have it watermarked that's what i do yes yeah all these are are watermarked uh cool okay i think that's what i'll do then okay i think i'll, I'll post like one maybe two of what i think are, are the best most engaging ones yeah and then i'll privately message arvin and be like hey i also have all these and I would like, I've already set up your account for you with your branding 
uh, if you'd like to do this more with more of your podcasts, like here's the link where you can sign up and all. Uh, and, and, you know, in your account that you sign up for it, you will immediately have access to this video with the clips that I've already defined. Um, yeah. Okay. That, that feels good. Yeah. Cool. Something I love about this project, the video clipper in my life is I have so many more ideas for marketing than I did with file inbox. File inbox, yeah. I felt like I've just been stalled forever. Yeah, I feel and that, this yeah. I'm like, oh, I could do, you know, affiliate marketing. Oh, I could do, uh, uh, you know, this this cold outreach thing. Oh, I can do SEO. I can I can do ads. I can do Reddit ads, and uh, I can do conferences. Um, yeah, and, and it feels much more exciting and, and actionable. Yeah, Chris, just try just try stuff. Yeah, go for it. I will. I'll just try stuff. Uh, and until I try more stuff. <laughs> I don't know how to do the transition. I said your name, which was the start of the end. I know. And, and, and I started speaking before you said my name. All right, go ahead. Well, Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Then I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.